0: Uh, Hey, the Lord blessed us with a new TV, hey, you know, uh, now, now you don't have to look at words and try to follow Yvonne at the same time, you know, I mean, I thought you guys were just bowing and praying every once in a while, but that's not the case, apparently. Uh, you see my display this morning, and you probably came in going, man, pastor, Easter was last week, right? So, uh, but we're not, we're not going to be, uh. We're not going to be bringing that back up this morning, but today, what we're going to be talking about, and what God has laid on my heart, I mean, literally after I left uh, church last week, um, God really put some things on my heart, and I'm trying to be technical and do this all at the same time, so uh, just bear with me. Um. About who we are and who we are in Christ. And I promise I won't go back to that laptop again. But we're going to be in John 15 verses 1 through 8 mainly today. And I want to read that to you as you're turning. I want to read that to you. I'm reading out of the Holman Christian Standard Bible this morning. That's the HCSB. Some people call it the hardcore Southern Baptist translation, but we'll just keep it at the Holman Christian standard this morning. But So if it reads a little different than what you have, don't worry, I'll have the scripture references on the TV that we're so blessed to have after we read the passage. So John 15, verses 1 through 8, and I know you've all seen it, you've all probably read it a bunch of times, if not, well, welcome to this chapter because it's a good one. Verse 1, I am the true vine. And this is uh, Jesus talking to His disciples. I am the true vine. My Father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, He removes. And He prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. So you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Verse 4, remain in me and I in you, just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit. Because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch, and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire, and they are burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit, and prove to be my disciples. Now, To me, Jesus in this passage is asking so much of his disciples. And if you know anything about being a disciple, if you follow Jesus as as he is your Savior, then you are his disciple. So these words are not just for the twelve in the New Testament, but they're for you also. Let's not forget that. But we're going to back it up Hey, it worked. We're going to back it up, and I'm going to go. I'm going to break this down for you. So, John 15, 1 through 3 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vineyard keeper. Every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he removes. And he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. You are already clean because of the words I have spoken to you. Now, what is Jesus saying to us? Well, to reference the Old Testament, we have to remember that the Israelites, Israel, was God had considered those people His vineyard. Remember in verse one, he says, "My father is the vineyard keeper. Jesus is the true vine." So as, as the, in the Old Testament, Israel, we all know Israel is God's people that he pulled out, he exodus from Egypt and he led them to the promised land. But we all know that Israel did what most of the time? They fell under his judgment a lot because they were disobedient. That's why Jesus says in verse 1, I am the true vine. Jesus is the true vine, unlike Israel in the Old Testament, who failed and turned their backs on God several times and fell under His judgment. If we look in Hosea chapter 10, verses 1 through 2, it says, Israel is a lush vine, it yields fruit for itself. The more His fruit increased, the more He increased the altars. The better His land produced, the better they made." The sacred pillars. Their hearts are devious. Now they must bear their guilt. Their hearts are devious, and now they must bear their guilt. The Lord will break down their altars and demolish their sacred pillars. Isaiah 5 1 through 7. I had to break that down. Imagine if I had seven verses up there. Isaiah 5, 1 through 7. It says, I will sing about the one I love, a song about my loved one's vineyard. The one I love had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. This is God talking about His people. He broke up the soil, cleared it of stones, and planted it with the finest vines. When we hear God reference the finest vines in the Old Testament in the the people of Israel, He is talking about those who follow and obey Him. He built a tower in the middle of it and even dug out a wine press there. (laughs) I'm sorry. He expected it to yield good grapes, but it yielded worthless grapes. So now residents of Jerusalem and men of Judah, please judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for my vineyard than I did? Why, when I expected a yield of good grapes, did it yield worthless grapes? If we pay attention, this is God asking why He planted the finest vines in His vineyard and now they are yielding worthless grapes. Now I will tell you what I'm about to do to my vineyards. I will remove its hedge and, I will be, and it will be consumed. I will tear down its wall and it will be trampled. I will make it a wasteland. It will not be pruned or weeded. Thorns and briars will grow up. I will also give orders to the clouds that rain should not fall on it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the man of Judah, the plant he delighted in. He looked for justice but saw injustice. For righteousness but heard cries of wretchedness. When we get saved, when we are, are out there being disobedient and we don't know Christ and we finally have that revelation that Christ died for us and we get saved, we are grafted into to. The true vine. It's either by placement or by growth. Some of us take our position on the vine so serious that we think someone we don't know or we don't like or someone who hurt us cannot be grafted into the vine. How many of us walk around church and we know people that I don't want to witness to them because maybe they're not ready. Maybe they don't deserve to be part of the vine. Maybe they don't deserve to be a branch. Lest we forget that God created each one of us. How many of you have been hurt by someone and you say, I'm not, I'm not, no, there's no way. There's no way I'm going to witness to that person because they're just going to use it against me. But God is saying, hey, They are are someone that I want to be a branch on the true vine, and it is your job as a Christian to talk to them and to show them who Jesus is so that they can be grasped into his vine. God says, He looked for justice, but saw injustice. For righteousness, but heard cries of wretchedness. Why, God? Why me? I just want to be a school teacher. Leave me alone. I love you. I follow you. You are my my Savior, but I don't want to do that, God. Why can't I just sit in the pew? We need to wake up how much more are we going to continue to turn against God by not producing good fruit so that he removes the hedge and lets us be devoured? In Job, the devil goes up to God's court and God says, look at my servant Job. He's righteous. He will never turn against me. And Satan says, oh yeah, I bet I can make him turn. Of course, I'm not quoting Job by... But it's pretty much what was being said. And God says, I bet if I let you at him, he won't turn against me. And, and this, this is the key part. Job says, I can't even get to him because your hedge surrounds him. He said he removes the hedge so that they could be devoured. Because he saw injustice and wretchedness. And they were bearing rotten fruit. When are we going to stop trying to do everything on our own and recognize that Jesus is the true vine? Carrie Underwood said it best. Jesus, take the wheel. How many of you grab onto that steering wheel and hold it at 10 and 2 when he tries to grab it and say, let me have it? No, God, I don't want to turn that way, God. We need to go this way, son or daughter. No, I don't want to go that way. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't know what is in that direction. It's unknown to me. God says, fine, I'll remove my hedge. He's not going to fight with you. Jesus is the one that will not be cut from the tree. The one who will set us free and everything must be done through him. Now as we look at the remainder of the verse, verse 4. Remain in me and I in you just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. So neither can you unless you remain in me. For those of you who are wondering, this is not poison ivy. (laughs) This came off my mother's muscadine vine. Don't tell her. Because, (laughs) I'm just kidding. She cut it for me. But we see the vine. And we see the branches on the vine. If you don't know what the vine is, it's this big piece in the middle. And the branches are everything that spins off of it. And if you look really close, there's little bitty grapes growing. It's a muscadine grape. Jesus says, Remain in me, and I in you, just as the branch is unable to produce fruit by itself, unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. This fruit on this little branch would not be produced unless it was hooked to this vine, unless it was part of this vine. And in verse 5, Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches, the one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. I cut this vine Wednesday. I had it in water at my house and it was looking all pretty. And now it started to wither because I took it out of the water today. When I take it out of its source of power and strength, it withers and breaks. But there's some, there's some branches on here that aren't even producing fruit. And God says, because He only wants branches that are going to produce good fruit. Apart from the vine, you can do nothing. In verse 6, 6 through 8, I want to hit on verse 6 really quick. If anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. Snip thrown into a pile to wither. How many of you compost? How many take your old leaves and branches and everything and put them in a pile and they compost down and they degrade and they become fertilizer, right? Or you may know about that. You might not do it, but you know about it. So that's what happens. You get cut from your source. You get cut from your life source. You start to wither and you start to decompose. But the the key is God's not going to use you as fertilizer. Because he is the fertilizer. He is what makes growth. So he doesn't need you, he's just going to cut you off because verse 6 says they're thrown aside like a branch and withers. They gather them and throw them into the fire. If you've read the book of Revelation, chapter 20, around verse 12, it talks about the great white throne. Where well, there is a multitude of people, but the angels are gathering the ones who are not on the vine, and they are throwing them into the fire. Church, listen to me when I tell you this morning, if you haven't picked it up yet, Jesus is the vine, and you are the branches. And God wants nothing more than for you to bear good fruit. Well, pastor, what are we going to do with the fruit? Eat it. What is the fruit? Is the fruit reading and praying and and, and following God and, 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 and spending time with God and coming to church on Sunday morning and sitting in the pew and then hit the repeat button? Think about, if you look at these grapes, how they start out that small and they end up like this. They are filled Right? And have you ever eaten those grapes before? They're really, really sweet. They taste so good. They taste so good. Because there's juice in there, right? That can be made, that is going to be squished down and made into what? Wine. That's what, that's what people who grow grape, grapes do. Uh, well, unless you're from the Southeast United States, you make jelly too. But most of the time grapes were smashed to make wine. Right? My mom's gonna make muscadine jelly, in case y'all think she's a wino.
1: <laughs>
0: I don't know. Maybe she'll make wine. But grapes are used to make wine. Any of you ever have drank wine before? They come from grapes. They come from fruit. Remember Jesus at the wedding? <laughs> They ran out of wine, and his mom said, make some more wine. He says, hey, don't bother me with that. Mom, woman, he called her, woman. I know if I call my mom woman, she can hit me. And I'm 42. She's going to still do it, okay? But he said, woman, that, that, that doesn't concern me. But he did it anyway. The concrete pillar's full of, of water. He said, tell the servant to go draw from the, the concrete, uh, pil- uh, pil- uh, whatever they called? the, the jugs. <laughs> Because I'm from Pumpkin Center. The jugs. And, the, and the, the head chef's like, wait. He goes to the groom, you're supposed to give the good wine out first. Why did you say the good wine for last? That's just one miracle. So Jesus turned the water into wine. But our fruit, if we think of it as, as a parallel, he is the vine, we are the branches. But what fruit are we making? How many people do you see a week that don't know Jesus? Even better, how many people do you see a week who know Jesus but aren't following Jesus? Who you could talk to. Maybe get them back into, their, into the Word. Yeah, invite them to church, absolutely. But, but what's the most important part? The relationship. Some people have have said, hey, this is too hard for me. I don't want to be a part of that anymore. But every day they're convicted. Every day the conviction is so hard upon their hearts that they can't stand it anymore. And they're just waiting for someone like you to say, hey, brother, it's okay. You can come back. He wants you to come back. He wants to put you back on the vine. But our fruit are those people that we witness to. That are those people that we don't save them, but we bring them to the Savior who does save them. And now He puts them on the vine, and there's life because there's water, and there's life in the vine, and they grow, and they bloom, and they make fruit. So we know that the fruit is used to make wine. That's the representation in the Scriptures. <laughs> and if you're, making, if you're producing fruit, I don't want to sound like a salesman, but if you're producing fruit, who are you promoting? Jesus. Because when the fruit is mashed up and when the vine is pruned, you know, pruning doesn't mean you're cut from the vine. It means it's taking all the little pieces that don't look like a branch and God says, no, that's not the piece I want for you. No, that's in your way right there. No, this isn't producing fruit. I'm cutting it from the vine. And He makes you a good vine, a good branch off the vine. He cuts it so He prunes you. And sometimes when we feel the shears cutting in our life, cutting the things away that don't look like Jesus, it hurts and then we want to turn away. Because we don't have people out there helping us produce the fruits. There are more people out there that you know that know Jesus Christ as their Savior, but are are away from the vine. They're not being pruned. And their fruit can't be produced, and it can't be smashed up to make wine, because the wine represents the Spirit of the Lord. You turn over to Matthew chapter 9. Now that you know that pruning hurts, and now that you know that if you don't produce fruit, God will clip you from the vine, you'll be gathered up and thrown into the fire, and that sometimes it's okay to be pruned. I'll give you a better analogy of pruning. There's a guy in a a, a park, and he's got his huge block of wood, square block of wood. And he's got a rope around it because he don't want people coming in there, climbing on it, getting hurt. And this guy walks by, and he says, Hey, what are you going to do with that big block of wood? And the guy says, Well, I'm going to carve out a horse. And he says, Man, that's square. How are you going to make that into a horse? He says, I'm just going to chip off the pieces that don't look like a horse. That's the same thing God does when He prunes you. He's pruning those things from your life that don't look like Jesus. That are not part of His plan. But how many of you want to hold on to those things? How many of you want to grab on to those dead leaves? and that, 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 That extra branch that's holding you back from God's plan? And not allowing you to be pruned. Not allowing you to grow. And then you wonder why everybody else is blessed but me. Why is there? How come, how come they are, are blessed? How come God is blessing them but they're not blessed? He's not blessing me. It's because you're holding on to the things of the past That don't look like Jesus. And you won't let God prune them. And when He prunes them, you try to pick them up and stick them back in your pocket and carry them along with you. Matthew 9, verse 17. I'm going to turn it around for you a little bit here. Our fruit that we produce we turn into the wine, which represents the Spirit of God. Jesus used the wine in the Last Supper to represent His body, represent His blood. Matthew 9, verse 17 says, And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the skin bursts. The wine spills out, and the skins are ruined. But they put new wine into fresh wine skins, and both are preserved. Wait a minute, Pastor! You just said we were a part of a, a vine; we were a branch on a vine. How can we be wine skins now? Because that's what he's talking about: old and new wine skins. How many of you have ever had an old skin if you've ever trapped anything and and you hung it up on the side of the barn and you left it there for a few years and you went out there and it just got weathered and tattered because the weather kept hitting it and it just started, you you grabbed it off and it just broke. It's just brittle. This has been part of the weather. had not been taken care of. How many of us are like that? How many, of, how many people have you seen at the altar be broken in front of Jesus because their wine skin is so old that they're brittle? And when the spirit enters, when the wine hits the old wineskin, skin, it bursts. <coughs> Wait, pastor, it says don't put new wine into old wineskins. And I think Jesus was telling us two things here. He's telling us two things. We have the Pharisees in the New Testament who were about the Old Testament law, and they knew everything about it, but they denied Jesus being the Messiah. And they wanted to keep it the old way. But when the what happened when the new wine came? What happened when Jesus came? When he was born and then 30 years later he starts walking the earth claiming to be the son of the God, son of God, the Messiah. Boy, them old wineskins started getting brittle and they couldn't take it to the point to where it broke them and they put them on the cross. But some of you today have those old wineskins that you're living in that need new wine so that those old wineskins can bust off of you and new ones can be made again. Some of your old wineskins are too far beyond repair. Jesus came as the new wine. We recognize Him as the, the healer, the ultimate, the almighty healer. The one who intercedes for us. The one who made us new on the cross. Some of you don't want new wineskins, so some of you won't come to the cross and lay them down. Some of you won't lay your new wine skin, your old wineskins down at the cross and pick up your new wineskins and get ready for the new wine who is Jesus. Some of your fruit is rotten. And today... It's not an insult to the church. You just don't know. And that's what we're here to tell you. Some of you have rotten fruit and every time you take a bite of it you get that face. Ugh, That's nasty. And you know it. That's the conviction from God telling you it's rotten. It's no good. Don't eat it. Some of you have that old wine skin on and you're like, but it fits so well. It fits so well. If I take it off, then I'll be exposed. But I'm here to tell you, church, when you take that old wineskin off, you will be exposed to the one Creator, the Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who spilt His blood for you. I imagine Him handing you a new wineskin. The Bible says that if we are in Jesus, we are a new creation. Let me repeat that. If we are in Jesus, we are a new creation. So call it a wineskin, call it whatever you want. But if you're not in Jesus, if you don't know him as your savior, you're wearing old wineskins. You're not even a part of the vine. But today he's here. You're here for a reason. Not just because, I know some of you are passing through, but not just because you're passing through and you said, hey, let's go to church at Manchac Baptist Church. God doesn't do things like that. He does everything for a reason. So something he has to say today was for you. And maybe you have old wineskins on. Maybe you have rotten fruit. Maybe you need to bear good fruit. Maybe you need to let God prune you. Maybe you need to take off the old wineskins or let the new wine in and let it burst off of you so you can put on the new wineskin today. Right now, we're going to have an invitation. I thought that this way was pretty. Especially since I did it myself. These are real grapes. Okay? They're not for you to eat. I mean, if you want something, you have them. But today, they represent rotten fruit. This been sitting out on your counter too long. How many of you buy fruit, just put it in the corner of the cabinet? Or up on the counter? And you walk by it one day like, what else? What did I have? Or go in the refrigerator like, "Eh, who put them grapes all the way to the back of the refrigerator? Eh, They're too bad. I just bought these this morning, so if you do eat them, it's okay. I did wash them. (laughs) But today I want this to represent rotten fruit in your life, and there's plenty enough for everybody. And I want you to come up here today, and those things in your life that's rotten take a grape you may need two you may need three i hope you don't need more than five but okay some of you do okay and you're going to take your fruit this rotten fruit in your hand this morning and you're going to put it in this measuring glass You're going to take my handy-dandy little squisher thing here. Some of you ladies might know what that's actually called.
1: What's
0: it called? A masher. Today it's a grape masher. And you're going to take that old fruit and you're going to mash it. You take the time. You come up here and you mash this fruit, this rotten fruit, until you've had enough of it until you're ready to lay it down at the foot of the cross and let Jesus take it. While I play this video, while I play this song, it's your time of invitation. My prayer team's going to be up here and prayer team, you do this now if you want to get it done. You come up here and you get rid of this rotten fruit in your life and you smush it in this glass and leave it. Leave it right here today. But well, my prayer team's going to be up here if you need prayer. The altar's going to be open. You can go get on your knees. You can be right where you're at. Today, Jesus wants you to get rid of the rotten fruit. He wants wants to let God prune you on the vine so that you can bear good fruit. And some of you need to take off those old wineskins and find that new wine. So when the video starts, you come today. We're here for you. Just smash it up. Leave it in the jar. welcome. There's plenty of rotten fruit here for you to get rid of this morning. There's still time, church. We don't want you to be ashamed this morning. This is about you, and it's about Jesus. It's about your heart. We're just giving you the opportunity this morning. Jesus said he wants to make new wine. It um, ain't much, but we're small. I
1: didn't
0: expect it to get full, but it's all your problems, all your burdens. She you laid down this morning. You've been turned into new wine. This is just a symbol. Okay, church, this is just a symbol. Hopefully you meant it in your heart. Because Jesus wants to make new wine for you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for these people. Thank you for this church, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to gather in your name. Thank you for the freedom you give us because of the cross. We love you, Lord. We pray for everyone this morning as they leave and carry on their week, Father, that they're able to return next time, God, and just fellowship and share in your word.